Last Sunday uh, was uh, week two of our new series, which started in Easter Sunday, entitled Text Message. And uh, message. when we read the Bible, we know that the Bible is the original text written ever history of mankind. It goes all the way to the book of Exodus when God gave man the first text message, which is the Ten Commandments. And from the beginning of the text message up until the book of Malachi, God had been writing messages to humanity. And so when Jesus shows up in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1, and in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18, we see that Jesus' physical manifestation on the planet was to show us that he was the text message of whom prophets, kings, and poets wrote of. It is as if to say, hey, I'm the guy they've been talking about. I am the text message. And so that's why when you read Scripture, you're going to realize that Jesus says, I am. On one occasion, he told, book of John mentions ten of them, but the first time Jesus mentions his I am, he said, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus said, this is what uh, uh, Pastor Dwight spoke last week, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the Jews that were hearing him knew what he was talking about. When he says, I'm the bread of life, he's referring to that bread in the book of Exodus, brought manna from heaven and fed the people in the wilderness. So when he says, I am the bread, they understood that he was saying, I am that which came from above to satisfy a hunger in the midst of desert. I am the bread of life. He also said last week that he is the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When Jesus says, I am the light, they know exactly what he's talking about. Jesus is making reference to what was written of him in the Old Testament. What light, Pastor? The light in the holies of holies that will never be turned off. Referring to Jesus Christ, the perpetual illumination of God's grace in the midst of his presence. And then he says, recapping on last week, when Jesus saw his disciples and those that were watching and hearing him, be so today I want to talk about the other I am that Jesus mentioned. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. And whoever enters through it shall be saved and shall enter and shall come out and shall have green. When Jesus says to his audience, I am the door, the Jews knew exactly what he was talking about. And in Scripture, you're going to find several doors in the Old Testament. I want to mention reference to one and then talk about the one I want to talk about and we go home. Well, we don't go home because we've got baptism today. In the book of Genesis, around chapter 6, the Bible says that God got sick with man's sin, and consequently, he told Noah to build him an ark, for he was going to destroy the earth with water. 
And within the specifications of the ark, he told him, put me a window. He, want, he, he wanted him to cover it with, with tar. But then he says, but build me a door. And the Bible says that after God gave instructions to Noah to build an ark, the flood began, the water began to fall, rain began to fall, and the Bible says that God himself shut the door. And people were trying to walk in and trying to get in, and the Bible says that once the door was shut, it was, it, they were not able to open, because when I close the door, can nobody open, and when I open the door, can nobody close. And Jesus is saying, I am the door. When he said that, it took them to that moment in history. Jesus, the door of salvation. But also, there are many other doors, but the one I want to talk today is found in the book of Nehemiah, which, by the way, I'm talking about 10 doors today. Ain't nobody going nowhere. Lock the doors. <laughs> Jesus is making reference Ten doors in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a minor prophet who was called by God at a crucial moment is working for a king who isn't a godly king. But news come to Nehemiah that the city walls of Jerusalem were in ruins and that the gates and the doors of Jerusalem were broken down. And when he hears the news, he pleads the king and he says, Oh, king, give me an opportunity to go back into my land to rebuild the walls and fix the doors. And so by authority of the king, he goes back. And when he goes to Jerusalem, he finds two guys, Tobias and Sambalat, who try to make a fight for him not to build the walls. And when he looks at the condition of the walls of Jerusalem, he's overwhelmed and begins to cry. Because in the times of the Bible, it was the walls of the city. And to not have walls erected to protect the city meant that the city was at risk of being destroyed, usurped, taking the citizens and castigating them and turning them into slaves. And so when Nehemiah saw the condition, he said, no, 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 no. I got to restore the walls and fix the doors. And Jesus is saying, I am the door. The first door is what they call the door or the gate of the sheep, found in Nehemiah chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1 and 32. They call the sheep door or the sheep gate because this was the door where the sheep and the lambs were supposed to come through to get sacrificed. Understand, in the times of the Bible, they were sacrificed for propitiation, recognition. And so they made a specific door so that out of these 10 doors, only one door was designated for the entrance of sheep. Every sheep could go through this door. The sheep had to be without spot, without blemish. It couldn't be a handicapped sheep. It had to be a sheep with zero imperfections. So that when they come in through those doors, they will have somebody inspecting or entering because that sheep was going to ultimately be sacrificed unto the Lord for the atonement of sins between God atoning man's sin. Jesus says, I am the door. Referring to the sheep door. Now, what's the prophetic aspect of this? The prophetic aspect is, is that this gate points to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Remember the book of John? When John sees, remember, 
Jesus came to get baptized. And John says, in the midst of everybody, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. You remember that verse? Who takes away. What did John see when he said that? Because, it, it, listen, listen. If you see me coming down and you say, oh, behold the chihuahua coming, I'll be insulted. I'm not a chihuahua. I'm Gabby. Call me no chihuahua. Okay. John looked at Jesus and he didn't see Jesus. He said, behold the Lamb of God, the sins of the world. So this sheep gate or this sheep door points to Christ's first coming on the earth. Why? Because the only one that was able to cleanse us and forgive us and atone us to the Father was Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, who was foretold in Isaiah 53. He is the door by which everyone must enter to be saved. Ain't no way in the world to get salvation unless you go through the door of the sheep who is Jesus Christ our Lord. That was the first door, the door of sheep. The second door was the door of a gate of fish. Chapter 3, verse 3 of Nehemiah. The fish gate or the fish door was called this way because fishermen of Galilee would bring their catch in through this gate for commerce. You have to understand. They would go out to fish and they would bring in the fish. For commerce, for business, for making money. Jesus is saying, I am the fish gate. You know why is that important? Because every person that goes through the gate or the door of the sheep, by consequence, you have to go through the gate or the door of the fish. Now, why, why, what does this point, point out to? The, the, the fish gate, for us, it speaks of evangelism as we are called to be fishers of men. Now, 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 this is important because it is a natural progression in our Christian life that after seeing that Jesus died for our sins, at we then want to tell others about it. You know that surveys have shown that believers who have been saved less than two years are the people that do the most evangelization in the church? Pastor, how long have you been saved? Oh, I've been saved since Kuta Kinte. I've been saved for 45 years. You know, that, you know that most new converts are the ones that are bringing people to church and getting them saved. And the other, you, I don't know why, but the more years you're in the church, that's the more headache you want to give your pastor and the more, the more laziness you want to be. Man, you, you should have so much record with God that you would want to do it more and more and more and more. And God is saying, if I let you go into the door of the sheep and I saved you and I forgave you and I redeemed you, well, then you should now go to the door of the fish and start fishing people and bring them in. Because the Bible says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb of their testimony. You don't have to be a doctor to preach. You don't have to have an institute degree to preach. You don't have to have a PhD degree to preach. All you need is a testimony and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Their simple testimony of what Jesus in your lives qualifies you to be a fisher of men. First gate, 
First door, door of fish. Sorry, door of sheep. Second, are you guys taking notes? Which is the second door? Door of fish. Jesus is saying, I am the door of sheep. That's me. Jesus is saying, if you're in me, you got to go evangelize because I am the door. For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. I am the gate or the door of fish. And now it leads us, and this is a progression. It leads us now, it leads us to the old door. It used to be called the old gate or the old door. And Nehemiah is the only book in the Bible that makes reference to this door. The only one, the old gate or the old door. Now listen to me. This speaks to us. It speaks to us about the old ways of truth. A young Christian experienced the door. Then the fish door soon sees the need for experiencing this door or gate called the gate of the old. Now, this means when it's talking about old, it's not talking about seniority. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about. When it's talking about the old gate, it's referring to, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. So when we talk about the old gate or the old door, he's talking about the foundations of things. Too many Christians today are after new things. I want the new touch, you know. You know, back, 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 back in the 90s, or back in the 80s, you know, you know what was the new thing back in the 80s? You come to the church and they blow on you, and you fall. They were falling because your breath was boofing, but that's it. That was the new thing in the 80s. And then when that ran out of style, when that ran out of style, then it was this one. Please Eve, remember that one? Please Eve. Come to the altar, get hit with a suit. You want to get hit with a suit, go to the cleaners. You get and then when that was out of style, when that got out of style, then it was the laughing spirit. People laughing. <laughs> Everybody's after something new. Everybody's after something new. The latest teaching, the latest revelation, the latest experience. Let me tell you, let me tell you, there's only one thing you need to know. Jesus and him crucified and the power of the blood. So some people, in an effort to get the new thing, they exchange the old for the new. They exchange the power of God. They exchange the experience of the Holy Spirit. They exchange the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just because they want to be relevant, they want to be socially correct, I'm here to tell you some things are best the way they are. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, you can't substitute, substitute the old things. I'm telling you, you can't. You can't, you can't. And I know we're living in an era. I'm hot already. Here you go. Wait, 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 these guys, I can't do nothing, they're already on top of me. We're living in an era where everything is quick. Download this, download the app, download the other. Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, let me tell you, there, there's some things that you cannot substitute. Do you know why you can't substitute? You can't substitute prayer. 
Uh-uh. And I know it's old and I know it's antiquated, but you cannot substitute prayer. You cannot, you can't download a prayer. You got to do it the way it works. Get down on your knees. You can't substitute the Bible. You got to read your Bible. You got to fast. And I don't, I don't care how in technology, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. We got to go back to the old. Listen, we got to go back to the old. It will work for grandma. It could work for you. It will work for your mama. It could work for back. Listen, back then. Back, listen, listen, listen. Back then. All we had was a prayer. Back then, all we had was the word. Back then, you come to church with a toothache and say, God, you got human today because I ain't got no Medicaid and I ain't got no. But now, we don't go to God because we got all of these technology. God is saying, go back to the old school. Go back to prayer. Go back to fasting. Go back to seeking my face. He says, I am the old gate. The next gate, or oh, the door of the valley. Look at the progression. Sheep door, fish door, old door. To now, to now go to the valley door. Isn't this? Several valleys of Jerusalem surrounded Israel or the temple up to the valley in Himnon. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. There was one door, there was one door, which was the door of the valley, that when you walked in through that door, it led you to different valleys. Because remember, remember, there was a time of the harvest, the season of Pentecost. And that would be the time of the year. Every 50 years, people come from Egypt, from Mesopotamia, from Babylon. They will all come, and they will come to do what they call the celebration of the harvest. And they will all come from different roads and different, it's like the turnpike, 417, I-4. I they will come through all of these roads, and all of these roads will lead to the door of the valley. Jesus says, I am the door of the valley. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that what God is doing here, we can't keep it amongst ourselves. We got to open that door of the valley and let in everybody from every nation, from every tongue, from every upbringing, from every background. This church is accessible to every single person because it's the door of the nations. Jesus says, if you go to the door of the sheep and you go to the door of the other one, fish and the door of the, to the door of the, you're going to impact the nations. And that's what God is doing in our lives. But then you have, check this out, check this out, because what, what, what happens when you invite people in your house? First of all, first of all, first of all, oh, I guess they here. When you invite people to your house, right, I'm going to say it. You invite people to your house. You clean your house, right? Mira, arregla la casa porque viene Pepita, right? He's like, Pepita's coming. <laughs> right? Because Pepita's coming. When they tell you to clean, your version of cleaning is not your mother's version of cleaning. Your version of cleaning is put it under the bed, throw it in the closet, put it behind the shower curtain. Now listen, listen, listen. God says, once I open the door to the nations, 
Here's what's going to happen. The nations are going to come in. Now, it's crazy. You clean your house for people to come so that when they come, they leave a mess, and they leave you with a mess. He says, I'm going to open the doors of the nations so that the nations can come. And, and right next to the door of the valley was this next door called the door or the gate of dung. Because all of Jerusalem's rubbish and dung, okay, remember, I'll take all of these sheep and they will sacrifice them, right? But they wouldn't sacrifice the entire lamb. There were some parts of the lamb that they would just skin out, right? So all of these leftover body, animal, body, animal parts, they would have them somewhere so that at some time in the day, all of the garbage, all of the rubbish, all of the even the, the, the excrement, they would take all of that through. The, you couldn't take it out to the door of the sheep. That was illegal. Take it out to the door of the dung. Now watch the application. The valley represents, this is me. This door of the valley, this is me, is going to draw in people with issues. And valley experiences are used by the Lord to clean away the rubbish so that true faith, refined by fire, can come forth and produce fruit. Clearing away the rubbish in our lives isn't easy. And I'm glad, I'm glad that when God said, let's put a sheep door, let's put a fish door, let's put that door, he said, let's put a dung door. Because some of us, we're carrying a lot of junk and a lot of mess and a lot of stuff. But I'm glad that the God that allowed me to come in the door of the sheep says, you might be hurting and you might be a mess and I'm not through with you yet. But don't walk out the door if you allow me to cleanse you and purify you. There's room even for the broken because in the power of, oh, I feel like preaching, I feel like preaching. The rubbish in our lives is not an easy thing. But the benefits of this experience will be able to see at the next gate, because we had the dung gate or the dung door, to now go to what they called Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 15. It talks about the door of fountain or the fountain door. And the fountain gate is located near the pool of Siloam and was often used by the people for cleansing, beating, and the gate is extremely close to the door of rubbish. In other words, after a valley-type experience where the rubbish in our lives is cleared out through the dung gate, true faith becomes able and comes forth, and the fountains begin to flow quickly. What is this talking to us about, church? This speaks of us, of the living waters of the Holy Spirit that cleanses our lives. That's why I may be broken, I may be hurting, I may be a mess, but when I go through the door of the river and the door of the fountains, the Spirit of God refreshes my soul and cleans me up and restores me and makes me new. Jesus is saying, I'm the fountain gate. From the fountain gate, you think you're nice and clean, right? From the fountain gate, the next gate is the water gate. Found in Nehemiah chapter 3:26. The water gate led down from Gihon Spring, which is located adjacent to the Kidron Valley. Now, here's the application. The water gate is a picture of the word of God. And its effects in our life. That's what I'm telling you. A believer who doesn't have the word of God. A believer that does not have the word of God in his heart, he will never experience true cleansing. It is the word of God that cleanses us. Ephesians chapter 5, 26 says, having washed her by the water of the word. Amen. Become clean. 
Through the word of God. That's why it's no coincidence, church, that this gate was located right next to the fountain gate. Why? Because they both work together. The Holy Spirit and the word of God working cohesively to change your life. Listen, the moment you accepted Christ, guess what happened? You were sealed with the Spirit. The moment I accepted Christ, I was sealed with the Spirit. But you know what? I'm, I'm sealed with the Spirit, and I'm still a mess. And I'm still lying. And I'm still cheating. But now the Spirit working with the Word of God helps you to be stronger. That's why when you don't know the Word of God and you're in your mess, sealed by the Spirit. But now when you have the Word of God in your life and the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not fighting this by myself. In his head, he got the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you, when you live in the power of the Spirit with the power of the Word, can no devil in hell overcome you as you become the person God has called you to be. So you have that gate, you have that door, the door of water. So then, to then take you to the horse door or the gate of the horse. Nehemiah chapter 3, 28. The horse gate, listen to this, this is important, was close to the king's stables. And the men of Jerusalem would ride in their horses out of this gate to exit and leave, the, and leave their land. Now, here's the application. This gate speaks to us about warfare. That soldiers would go to battle. It was through the gate of the horses that the soldiers would go in combat. It was through this gate where you would fight the real fight. This gate speaks to us of warfare. What does the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, 11? He says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat upon him was called faithful and true. And and in righteousness does he judge and makes war. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the capacity to forgive you. Not only am I going to make you an evangelizer. Not only am I going to make you clean. Not only am I going to take out the junk out of you. Not only am I going to give you my spirit. Not only am I going to give you my word. But with all of that, now you can fight the good fight of faith. And know that you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. Spiritual warfare. Is a requirement every Christian. Because whether you know it or not, the moment you said, I accepted Jesus, you just signed up for war. The moment you said, Jesus, I give you my heart, you became an enemy to the dark, the, the forces of the devil and the forces of hell. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, the devil said, we got another guy on the hit list. And the only way you overcome the devil is by the word, is in the spirit, living a life of holiness. And I'm here to tell you, the same God that saved you says, I'll give you the power to. He says, we got to fight this fight. To then find the ninth door, which is what they call the east gate, Nehemiah 3.29, or the door of the east, which is located on the opposite side of Mount of the Olives. And what's the aspect? What's the application? Ezekiel chapter 44 verses 1 through 3 says that the gate that looked toward the east and it was shut. said to me, this gate shall be shut and it shall not be open. And no one shall enter by it for the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. What am I telling you church? It is the gate of the east. This gate will only open again until the second 
coming of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Not only am I going to give you the power to overcome, but I will come back and I will give you victory and I'm going to put you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What is he saying? That this door represents that Jesus will come back and enter into Jerusalem after the second coming of Christ. He's going to establish his throne in the Mount of Olives and he is saying, I want you to know that I am leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. I've given you my word. I've given you my spirit and I want you to know that this door of the east, I will come back to it, but when I come, I'm not going to come like a lamb. I came like a lamb, but I'm coming like a lamb. It speaks of the return. Can I get an amen? amen? He says, I am the door of the east. I am he who will come back for your church, for the church. And lastly, you have the gate of inspection, the door of inspection, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 31. The word Inspection in the Greek is the word mifkath. And it's actually a military term in connection and efficient. And it was the gate that David would use to meet with his troops to inspect the soldiers before going to combat. You see what I'm telling you? God is saying, I am the gate of inspection. I am the gate that speaks of God through his spirit examining our hearts as we progress in this journey called life, because God's desire for us isn't just to be Christians. This is what I'm telling you. He doesn't just want us to be Christians. He wants to be children of God. He wants us to live God-like. So here's why he says, through this gate, I'm going to inspect you. That's what the Bible talks about, wheat and tares. And I'll preach that another day. But, but he, says, he says, in this gate, I will inspect because I want you to know that, yes, I've given you the resources to be more than a conqueror. And after a while, I will come and I will see, are you living up to par? Does that mean what I'm telling you, church? I'm almost done. As he tells us, I am the door, he wants to remind you that he is the only one that can save you. Door of the sheep. But when he saves you, he says, I am the door of the fish. Because now I want you to give by grace what you receive by grace. And then he says, not only am I the door of the fish, he says, I am the door, which is the third one. No. Because some things are non-negotiable. And as you endeavor and experience, don't go back. And then he says, I am the gate of the water. I am the gate of the fountains. I am the gate of the dung. I am the gate of the east. I am the gate. I am the gate. And he's telling you the only way for you and I to experience eternal transformation is understanding that it only happens as you embrace Jesus. He was a door in Nehemiah. When four guys tried to put a man through a door who was paralyzed, couldn't go through that door, Jesus became a door and they broke a roof and made a door in the heavens. Jesus is the door. So friends that are here today, the Lord wants to once again protect you like Jerusalem had walls to protect it. He says, I want to protect you again. And I want to put these doors in your life to progressively take you from salvation back to heaven. But it starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. It's crazy. Jesus says, I am the door. But in Revelation, he says, check this out. He starts off saying, I am the door. But in Revelation, he says, behold, I am at the door and I knock. How could a door knock at a door? He says, I am the door. 
But then he says, behold, I am at the door and I am knocking. If any man opens the door and lets me in, I will dine with him and him with me. So if you want these doors to open on your behalf, you first have to take the initiative of opening the door of your heart. If you want the doors of salvation, the doors of the fountains, the doors of cleansing, God says, you open your door first. And let me in because I am the door that opens your doors.